continuing uh, our series on You Are Not Alone. Uh, and for the next couple weeks, we're going to pick a different personality or persona or characteristic and talk about it. So today we are going to be talking about weariness, right? So to the weary, I would say you are not alone. Uh, next week, we are going to be talking about the righteous, and I may end up dabbling on self-righteousness a little bit just because I'm a meddler. Um, and so next week, we'll be to the righteous, I say you are not alone. Uh, but in that, as we prepare this series, too, if there is maybe a place you find yourself uh, and you would like uh, us to talk about that in, in the service, to the fill in the blank, I would say you are not alone. Uh, let us know. Reach out to Justin or get a hold of me and I'm going to tackle uh, some stories from scripture and different pieces and, and kind of fill that in. So again, today we are to the weary, I say. Next week we are to the righteous, I say. And then I would love to actually tackle something that you guys would bring. Um, scripture reading this morning is Matthew 11, 28 through 30. It says, Come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And Galatians 6, 9, and 10 says, Let us not grow weary in doing what is right, for we will reap at harvest time if we do not give up. So then, whenever you have an opportunity, let us work for the good of all, especially for those of the family of faith. Amen. You can be seated. As we talk about weariness, the uh, infamous words of Bilbo Baggins stand out to me. In Lord of the Rings, he said, I feel thin, sort of stretched. Like butter scraped over too much bread. And uh, in the sandwich, actually, that's not even the saddest part to me. What I don't understand is why is the cup of coffee empty? Uh, <laughs> uh, but there's a weariness that, that we experience in life and at times. And, uh, you know, what What do we do with that? And, and I think sometimes... Uh, you know, well, uh, I was, the advice of well-intentioned friends, right? Uh, and even in church, we have various uh, colloquial kind of like sayings, like, oh, just give it to Jesus. Like, oh, well, I'm not weary anymore. Thank you. I mean, like, like, we have these little like uh, tidbits. And now there is truth and richness to it as we kind of can wrestle with and express it. But, but somehow we, we throw out these sayings or things we've heard or maybe a, a quote the pastor shared from a week before and we just fling it at somebody uh, expecting it to change or, or do something or have like some medicinal effect. Uh, but it often takes more than that, right? We've been using the word intention even, right? That uh, to deal with weariness in our soul, it actually takes intention. We have to take some of those things that we throw out or we say and we actually have to put them into practice and use them and, and dive into them to find um, rest for our weary soul. Uh, we're going to take a look this morning at uh, a story of Elijah uh, out of 1 Kings. 
And let me read kind of the first section of it, because this is kind of where we find Elijah. So this is uh, 1 Kings chapter 19. I'm going to read it verse 1 through 5. It says, Ahab, who was a king, told Jezebel, his wife, all that Elijah had done, and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, saying, So may the gods do to me, and more also, if I do not make your life like that one of them by this time tomorrow. Basically, Jezebel is saying, I'm going to kill you or have you killed. Then he was afraid, and he got up and he fled for his life, and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and he left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a solitary broom tree. He asked that he might die. It is enough now, O Lord. Take away my life, for I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the broom tree and fell asleep. We have this story in Scripture of uh, a prophet of God who... I think he would classify as being weary. He's just tired. He's just done. Um, and, and he goes off alone, isolated, and in fatigue, lays down and says, All right, Lord, you can take me now. I'm, just, I'm done. Uh, and he laid there and fell asleep. I want to give you a little bit of backstory so you kind of understand where we find Elijah in this story. Uh, the, the people of Israel, is, if you've ever read the Old Testament, you will find that they were often a people of conflict, of wars with other groups, but they were often internally conflicted about themselves and who God was and who they were in God. And so they're just challenging times, and they had been uh, different kings over Israel and Judah, which actually at one point split, right? So there was 12 tribes of Israel, and 10 had split off, and two were this uh, group, and initially a little bit more devout, but then they, they ended up getting complicated and confused also. Uh, and, and in this process, King Ahab had been kind of, you know, letting things go, and, and married Jezebel, who uh, liked to dabble in other beliefs and faith systems and religious practices, which led to the confusion. But it's it's the queen, right? Like, and, and it says that she was really beautiful, right? So like most men, she gets what she wants. Um, which led to challenges. And the people within Israel began uh, dabbling in other practices and worshiping other gods and, and created this conflict, which began to remove some of the, the blessings of God. And Elijah was told to go earlier in here to, to King Ahab and tell him, like, hey, like, as long as this is going on, like, God will not tolerate this, so there is going to be a drought. And there was a drought for three years where there wasn't rain, which meant crops and all of that. And what's interesting, too, reading the backstory, it's this, this kind of like, well, whose fault is it? Well, Elijah, it's your God causing the drought, so it's your God's fault that we have no water and no rain. Uh, and it, <laughs> Elijah's like, uh, no, it's your fault. Like, this is a cause and effect piece because of 
the confusion and the practices that have been allowed to go on in Israel. Like, this is God trying to get your attention. And it's, it's the fault of the people for turning away from God. Uh, and I just find that kind of that banter interesting because how often uh, have we encountered people, I mean, not us ourselves, mind you, but, but we've encountered other people who, uh, when things happen, how quickly are we to blame God? Like, why would God allow this? Well, it's all God. God is doing this to me. Right? And we begin to uh, blame the divine as opposed to looking at, all right, well, what part like, do I actually have to play in this? Uh, and so, interesting, just that piece of who, who's to blame. But it goes on for three years, this drought. And uh, during this process, there's still this uh, religious tension uh, between other gods, the main one being Baal and, and Jehovah God. And, and this, this battle, and then all these other prophets are arising for, for Baal. And during this time, too, Jezebel has begun to kill off all the prophets of God. <laughs> So by the time we find in this story, Elijah's response, or at least his understanding, is he is the last one. He is the last prophet of Jehovah God, because all the rest have been killed. And so there's this ongoing, you know, when you look at, like, the story sometimes with Elijah, we'll get to Mount Carmel in a second, this kind of epic um, event that takes place. But it's been three years of drought. It's been three years of this, uh, plus more, of this religious battle over what is true. It's been three years where his friends and people have been hunted and, and murdered. And so, so when we talk about like, oh, weariness, like just, just rest. Um, Lori was nagging me today. This last week was a weary week for me. Uh, and so Lori was just checking in with me a little bit. She's like, so um, did you get any rest and sleep this week? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like, no, I'm really asking. And, and we're moving and setting up tables up, you know, and I'm kind of trying to ignore her. And she's like, um, no, I need an answer to my question. Uh, so it was really uh, just good to know people are checking in on me, too. Uh, you know, so Elijah dealing with three years, and we're, we're not that, but... With, because People Matter, my, my nonprofit that I run here in Portland, uh, since 2020, as you know, COVID and things shut down, people got more desperate, and political and social issues in Portland. We've had three of our B-Town Kids trailers stolen. Two of them we were able to recover, uh, but with damage to them. And one was inside a pole barn, like metal garage, and they broke into that. Um, another was behind a locked fence in a different part of town, so it's not even like, oh, well, it's just that neighborhood or, or that. Uh, we had our catalytic converters chopped off our cargo van. Later, the cargo van was stolen. We did recover that, but the steering column was completely damaged, and we had to have that rebuilt. Um, and then recently, our night strike truck and trailer was stolen. I was able to recover the trailer on Wednesday, Tuesday. Uh, but the truck is missing, and they have damaged the trailer, so I had to, like, before I could even haul it off somewhere, I had to, like, fix the tongue, because they tried to drag it with the tongue jack down. It was, just, it was a mess. So I'm trying to cut it off and get it jacked up so I can get it onto a rig and, and haul it off. And there's just this weariness to it, right? One of the passages we talked about is, do not grow weary in doing good. And, and we're a nonprofit, 
that like we we're like that's our job is to do good. And and we we have these trailers that we move equipment and run kids programs and and provide resources for for unhoused neighbors that are marginalized and needed. And yet in this process. Things are being stolen. Our kids' trailers, too, like, it's not like, oh, it was just a trailer they took. Like, it's full graphics of, like, kids playing and whatnot. Like, you know you're stealing a kids' program trailer when you're taking it, right? And and there's just this, like, like, my level of weariness when I got the call about the BPM truck and trailer this, this week, uh, it wasn't even, like, anger in it. It's just, like, of course they did. Like, that's kind of where I am. Of course. Of course. They did. I don't even have the energy to get like riled up about it anymore. Our, our BPM office, almost which is up in North Portland, almost on a weekly basis is tagged with graffiti, and so our interns are out like repainting the side of our building every week. At this point, I don't even know how many coats of paint there is. Like the whole structure will probably go away. The paint alone will hold up the wall. Um, and there's just this. It's easy to reach this weariness. Um, it's easy to even in that weariness to decide, I'm just not gonna put in the effort anymore. I'm not gonna care. I'm not gonna show up. I'm not going to invest. I'm too tired. Like we, we're a pretty small nonprofit. Like we don't have infinite resources to just keep, you know, uh, and if this is how the community is going to treat us, well, then why bother? Why keep doing good? Why keep showing up? And, and so there's a little bit of this, uh, as Elijah is fatigued, he goes off to a solitary place, and he's just like, all right, God, I'm good, whatever. You want to take me now, take me, and to just lay down and sleep. I, I, I resonate with him just a little bit at times in my life. Uh, so the interesting thing coming back to Elijah is, uh, you know, he's been stalked, hit, all of his friends are being killed, but he finally has this showdown on Mount Carmel. And uh, this is kind of like one of those epic battle stories we rally to in Scripture, too. Uh, and, and one of the reasons I also like this is, you guys may have noticed that I sometimes communicate with a little bit of sarcasm. It sneaks in here and there. Uh, and, and Elijah is kind of, he's a little snarky with Jezebel and uh, the prophets of Baal. And, and he's like, I tell you what, uh, let's just find, let's have it out. You go get all of your prophets of Baal. And uh, let's meet on a mountaintop, and you guys build an altar, and we'll put a bull on it, and you guys call out to your God, whatever you need to do, and, and I will build an altar and put a bull on it, and I will ask God to create fire for the sacrifice. We're not going to light a match any of that. And so the prophets of Baal all build this altar, and there's there's a ton of them out there, and they're praying and chanting and this and and uh, Elijah, which he's outnumbered, so I don't know why he's doing this, uh, but we're not always begins to mock them a little bit. It's like, oh, maybe your God's sleeping. Cry out louder. Uh, oh, he can't hear you. Uh, maybe if you dance while you do that, right? He's just mocking them, and so they start crying out. 
And so in this process of going, and this is just the level of confidence that Elijah has, uh, he ends up digging a trench around his altar. And he tells people, like, go and get 12 big jars of water. And he, like, saturates the altar. So everything is wet. The bull, the wood, the stones. So much so that the, the trench actually fills up with water. And everything's soaked. I'm like, okay, not only are you mocking him, but you're making it harder on yourself. Why are you not going to do that? Uh, and he begins to pray. And it says that a great big fireball comes down and uh, engulfs the entire sacrifice. It, not just the bull burned the stakes. So the fire was so hot, the rocks melted. And every drop of water that had filled up in the trench had burned away and, and steam had gone away. And then turns to the people and kind of challenges them. Like, it is time for you to make a decision. You can't keep flirting with God and all these other, like, and in an act of violence, which, whole nother sermon, but uh, instructs the people to go and put to death all the false prophets. Right? Now, I'm thinking, and in that moment, if I were a prophet of God, and I just was able to have this interaction where God, and God used me to bring forth this great fireball and this great demonstration in front of a crowd of people, even when all these other false prophets are trying to get this thing to burn up, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, go cry louder. Okay, let's add some water. Watch this guy. It's like, I'm just thinking, and maybe it's just my own arrogance, uh, like, I would be like, y'all see that? You guys, you guys posting that on social media? You got that? Right? I mean, I would be, I, I would imagine having this, this level of confidence, right, that, that God just showed up in a majestic and powerful way. And yet immediately after this is when Elijah is the most exhausted and he's the most spent. And he goes off into the wilderness to lay down and die. Just like, God, I'm tired. I'm so tired. It's interesting how often this actually plays out in modern culture when you talk with people in counseling settings and whatnot where been trying to hold things together for a while and we discover a win. And yet there's something in us that is almost self-sabotaging. That we think, like, well, I don't deserve that level of success. Or I don't deserve that level of blessing. I don't deserve that level of peace and understanding. And so we, we kind of manufacture things to become self-sabotaging. Uh, there's a book out that, that I finished this last year called The Big Leap. And it, it kind of uh, challenges uh, that idea that as we go... Right? We hit these moments where you know, we're working towards something and as we finally get it, we, we don't think we deserve it. So we, the self-sabotage comes in forms of like actual health. Like we get sick all of a sudden because we don't believe we deserve this wellness. Or we decide to pick, that's when we decide to pick a fight with our spouse. Like, oh, we just had like, let's start talking about money and how much you're spending on whatever. Uh, right? that, that there's these moments, or even in, in professional settings, like, oh, work is going good. We just reached these great accomplishments, and that's when we decide we, we have an issue with our manager. 
and we decide to start like nitpicking little things because there's actually this piece where we struggle to live in a place of being content with God. When we're content and we have our needs being met and we feel blessed and things are going smoothly, we struggle to just be there. Like, oh, oh, I mean, it's nice right now, but that just means the other shoe's about to drop, right? Oh, let's go, it's coming. Like, let's go search for it. Uh, and, and we kind of help hardship along and we invite it. And when we can't find it, sometimes we create it for ourselves. Just because we struggle to find that level of content and peace and joy in what God can bring. So there comes back to that intention word. Like, we have to be intentional to figure out how to be present in that space. Um, now, I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a professional counselor. I mean, I've done nonprofit work for 20 years. Uh, but, and so this is in no way, like, all-consuming. I'm not... And what I don't want to do is minimize someone else's weariness or your story that you find yourself in. But uh, I think typically we end up kind of being in a spot where uh, we're tired and, and some of that weariness is kind of, sometimes it's because we're giving too much of ourselves, right? Oh, I'm just, I'm doing everything. Right? I'm doing this, and I'm doing that, and my kids need me to do that. And, and it's just literally all of our energy is this outpouring where we have nothing, and, and we're empty. And so what sometimes our response is like, oh, I need a break. And so my response is to say no to everything. And I'm just going to sit here and relax because I deserve it. I've done my time. I'm done. I'm just going to sit here. Oh, could you come and help at the church? Nope. I'm done. I'm weary. Some ask somebody else. But the reality of this spot, this is not very life-giving. Okay? Now, I will confess, there are, I call my cave days. I, I talk a lot. I interact with people. Running a nonprofit, almost every phone call is somebody needing something from me or an answer to a question. And so uh, I cherish my cave days. There are times I'll just, I'll even put on my calendar, like, all right, I'm going to do my morning meetings. And then from noon on, like, I'm shutting my phone off, I'm shutting my computer off. Uh, I'm encouraging Shiana and Taylor to go and do whatever, you know, go get your, like, out of the house. And I like, I just pull the blinds and I just sit in my. Cave just quietly, and sometimes I'll watch a silly TV show or just read a book or whatnot. And there are moments where I need that time away, and I think those are valuable. When I stay there, that's when it kind of becomes a problem, <laughs> right? Uh, and so sometimes there, there's just this reality that, that sometimes, yes, it, it's that you're giving away too much. And sometimes it's that there is something that is actually life-giving. There's a special talent, skill, whatnot, that God has woven into your fabric that gives you life, that brings you joy, that gives you a sense of fulfillment. 
And, and you're not weary because you're doing too much. You're actually weary because you're not doing what you've been created to do. And so maybe it's gardening. You're like, nope, I'm doing nothing, so I'm not doing any gardening. I'm not doing any of that. People think I'm silly because I like to go out and go rock climbing. But rock climbing to me is life-giving. I get out, there's this physical challenge to it. You got this problem solving. Where am I going to go? Um, the people I go with usually ends up in this refreshing conversation. And so there's even times where oh, I'm so physically tired. And my buddy will call, like, hey, let's get out. I think it's going to be sunny tomorrow. And I want to say no, because I'm tired, right? And the weariness is there. But I know that going is going to be fulfilling to me. Going is going to rejuvenate me. Going is going to breathe life back into me. Right? And so we have to use discernment. Right? With, this comes in with the word intention. Intention and discernment. All right. I am tired. What do I need to do? Do I need to say no to some things and go and find my cave time? Or, or am I tired and weary just because I haven't been able to engage in the things that are actually life-giving to me? We hear it all the time at night strike. We, have, uh, you know, we start at about 6.30, 6.45 is our orientation, and almost all of our people work full-time jobs. And like, I was so tired, and after work, I was just I was in this like contemplative moment of, do I call and say I'm not coming? <coughs> Or do I show up? And by the end of the night, almost all of them are like, ah, this was the right place for me tonight. Because there was something about the community, the presence, the encouragement, there was something about serving that they leave that night being so fulfilled and energized. And there is, right? They were tired, and that's legitimate. And they're volunteers, and I, I expect people to have a life. And if you need the time, take time, right? If someone told me I was, it was unbiblical and I could never take my cave time again, I would we'd have issues. Like, I need my cave time. I feel like, but you're an extrovert. What do you mean you need isolated cave? It doesn't matter. I still, there's a spectrum, people, right? Uh, there's a point where as much as I love everyone and I love having conversations, I just like, oh, if I could go a day and not talk to a single soul, that'd be glorious. <laughs> uh, again, it's not where I live because in all reality, even preaching, and this is energizing to me. I get to get up and talk about scripture and, and how it applies for a life. But, but how do we actually learn to how to respond to that weariness? Right? Even the, the two scriptures we read at the beginning, Matthew and Galatians. Matthew is like, "Hey, my yoke is light. My burden is easy." And then Galatians is like, yeah, but don't give up doing good. Do not grow weary in doing good. And, and sometimes you read that passage, and I've, I've heard that used even again. Well, don't stop. Like, you know, we're committed, and God's called us to this, and there's this cause, and so we just got to keep going, go, 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 go. And, and, and we, oh, but that can be exhausting, right? So discernment, how do we learn? When it is right to say, hey, I need space. And how do we learn, like, I am tired, but I know this is fulfilling to me, so I'm going to lean in and I'm going to engage. And I don't know. There's not a, read this verse and know. Like, the, the intention is you have to spend time with God. Right? Prayer, maybe reflection on some scriptures, sitting and, and just 
worshiping to some music or, or reflection. Um, the other piece that I always do is I check in with the people who know me well. Right? So I check in with my wife, I check in with uh, my pastor friend, my spiritual director, I check in with my program director at BPM, like, hey, this is what's going on, where are we at? And, and I let other people who know me well speak into my life. Uh, and then I, I do still, so it's, it's solitude and prayer, scripture, and the wisdom of others are usually my piece that I go. Uh, there's another, I was reading various blogs on this all week, um, and uh, there's a writer who came down to three main points, and she said, reevaluate the schedule. Right? Look at you. What am I doing? What is, is everything I'm doing like life draining? Uh, is there anything life giving? It doesn't mean, ooh, step away from everything again, but reevaluate and figure that out. Now, I am going to say that sometimes we live in a world where people depend on us. And there's also a level of personal responsibility and integrity that comes with that. So there is this, there are moments where like, hey, Somebody needs me, right? I have a 10-year-old at home. She's having her birthday next week, so nine, about to be 10. Uh, and I can't just go like, look, I'm really tired. I'm not going to feed you. I have a response. Like, i got to feed her. Now, luckily, she's a pretty good cook and can do dinners on her own and whatnot. So we, we've worked to condition that. She can make things. But, but I still have a responsibility, right? I can't, or, or at work, and I have staff showing up for our meeting and whatnot, like, oh, no, I'm done, we're out. Uh, so I still have to show up. Now, I can do things. I have a co-director, and I can, like, hey, I'm going to be gone next week. Here's what needs to be right. We, but again, intention. I can't just poof, not show up. But reevaluate the schedule. Is everything life-draining? Where is the life-giving stuff in my week? And do I just need downtime? Do I need to just get away that can look differently. It could just be a walk in the park. It could be hiding in your car for 30 minutes before you pull in the driveway. Uh, I had a friend who was a pastor for a long time. He had four small kids at home. And he literally, it's like every day he would drive home, there's a little uh, park area. He would pull in under some uh, shade trees and take about 20 minutes and just kind of decompress. Read, listen to music a little bit, and then he would finish his drive home, and that was his preparation. So that way, when he walked in the door, his kids didn't see a tired, exhausted dad. His kids, like, he came in ready to be fully engaged, but he took 20 minutes. He went, well, that's selfish. But it enabled him to show up better. Uh, number two was eliminate distractions as much as possible. I know for me, when I get really weary, uh, I can just totally turn into like a Netflix junkie. Next show, next show, next show. And it's great because it shuts my brain off for a little bit, but what it doesn't do is prepare me for anything that's coming, right? I've just been distracted, and when I finally shut it off, oh, it's time to go to bed, then my brain kicks on because it's been numb for the last hour, many shows I watched, and then I'm trying to go to sleep, and it's like ding, 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 it's like a pinball machine inside my head, like, and I can't sleep. Because I've just been distracted. I haven't actually been creating any sort of resolution or space, right? So uh, eliminate distractions as much as possible. And then three is make room for God's word. What does God actually say to you? Where do you find him speaking to you in scripture? Where do you find that your story and his story are overlapping in this moment? Um, and so 
encourage you guys to try to implement um, some of those practices as you deal with weariness. Um, one of the interesting things that we're also finding just culturally and talking with other uh, program directors is that uh, for the last couple of years, by and large, we've been isolated or we've only interacted with small circles. And as people are re-emerging, which I think is healthy, uh, but even in community groups, people are tired. Like, oh, I'm, I'm actually, like, people are overwhelming me. I'm, I'm beginning to become fatigued or uh, even going to the office every day, which we used to do just fine, and we've built up that energy, but, but getting back to the office every day is exhausting just because we're not used to it, we're not conditioned to it. Um, and so there is this, this fatigue, a social fatigue right now, simply because we're not accustomed to interacting so much and things moving at a faster pace. And so give yourself some grace in that. And, and what I want to leave you on before we jump into um, our, our songs of reflection is the idea of um, progress over perfection. I was talking with my daughter who, who deals with some mental health challenges too, and she's just dealing when I said that it's progress, right? If we're learning to deal with worrying, oh, I gotta figure this out. I have to resolve this. I should be able to pray today and poof, it's it's done. And we live in such a, a culture that we want instant gratification, instant success, instant resolve to our problems. And and I'm just again, allow yourself grace and celebrate progress without demanding that perfection. Oh, I'm still weary, but I've done better to get some time alone to think. I'm still weary, but I managed to like take 10 minutes a day and just journal for a little bit to get my thoughts out of my head, right? Progress, not perfection. Uh, because as we even leaning in this series, right? To the weary, I would say you are not alone. God so desires to show up for you. One of the things that happened to Elijah, and I'm running a little long, and I know, uh, as he lay down and was tired and he fell asleep, it says an angel of the Lord showed up and fed him. And he woke enough to eat, and when he was done eating, he was still weary and fell back asleep. So the angel of the Lord showed up again and fed him again. Right? The promise from God in these stories, or in this, this glimpse of weariness, is that God is committed to showing up for you. And there is room in the presence of God for your weariness. It's not something you have to hide from Him. He already knows you're weary. It's not something you have to fix before you can go into the presence of God. He invites you to come with your weariness to Him. And he promises to show up. Because he's done it all throughout history and all throughout scripture. We worship a God who desires to be present with you. And who is so committed to showing up.